everybody. Welcome back to the Bottled Podcast. Your host is always Caden Foster. Today I had with me a gentleman by the name of Jason. He is the head brewer for uh, Big Ridge Brewing in Surrey, part of the Mark James Group. And I got myself a kind of a history lesson, a little bit of a schooling on on all things beer. And I think it's a I think it was a very interesting podcast. Got to hear a lot of uh, uh, a lot of the nuances and intricacies of, of brewing and all that kind of stuff. So if you're if you're into beer, if you're into brewing, you're going to really enjoy this podcast. And also at the end of the podcast, or I should say near the end, um, you're going to hear a little bit about a giveaway that uh, the Bottle Podcast, Big Ridge Brewing, and a local band by the name of Crankshaft is going to be participating as well. So we got a giveaway coming to to all of our fans um, in a little bit here, and yeah, it's good stuff. So without any further ado, give it up for my guest today, Jason. Cheers. Thanks, guys. gonna be one heck of a night so okay so you brought us over some lovely pint glasses mm-hmm. some uh big ridge brewing branded pint glasses that's what we're gonna be drinking out of today very nice yeah tell the folks at home what we're gonna be drinking today it's a so it's a big big bottle of beer <laughs> so it's it's in a growler it's in a 1.89 liter growler and uh this beer is of my own making it's called talk a blue streak blueberry Hefeweizen. So it's a German wheat beer. And the blueberries are from Ocean Park Farms, which is a local uh, blueberry farm in Surrey. And they uh, close to about 120 liters of uh, local blueberries that they picked and pureed within a few days. And I put into the beer within about a week. Wait, all of it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. So with that being said, uh, it only rings in around like 4.9%. Okay. So it's not going to knock us on our keisters. No. I, I like balanced beers. I like uh, lots of flavor, even high alcohol. I like something to balance it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this beer, I know you like Hefeweizen, which is one of the ones yeah, where they're I pretty good. to. Yeah. So, and I call it Taka Blue Streak because that's what I do. I'm, so I'm taking, make, taking a, a pot shot at myself. There you go. Yeah. All right, let's crack this bad boy open. After you. Because uh, I noticed in other podcasts, you, you've had explosions. <laughs> well, if you didn't notice as you walked in, there's those two towels down on the yeah. side. Those, so uh, this one shouldn't explode. No. And so far, we're, go- so far we're golden. Yeah. But yeah, we've had, uh, we've had a couple unfortunate mishaps with opening beer bottles. Yeah, I noticed that. Uh, so I think maybe whether it w- when you purchased them, they might have been a bit warm or got agitated, or even sometimes age can can do that, which is kind of tough, you know. Who knows? All I know is that at the end of the day, majority of it ended up in my gullet, anyways. So <laughs> that's all right. The color on this is crazy. Yeah. This is blueberry? Yeah, it's blueberry. And everybody thinks it's like, oh, really? Is this the blueberry one? Thank you. Um, it almost looks more like a like it would be a raspberry. Yeah. The color is very, like, almost pinkish. And the foam is pink. And the foam is very pink. <laughs> so this is where there's kind of a misnomer with blueberries, is that if you use, everybody thinks it's going to turn blue, like Smurf blue. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not meant to. It's, it's meant to give it more of a red color. And if you get too much, it'll get all kind of skin and tannic, like mm-hmm. wine, right? So... I like the smell of it. Oh yeah, that, it's it's subtle though. 
Yeah. It's very subtle. This isn't going to be like a cloying fruit bomb. This is classic style German Hefeweizen with some fruit in it. Just just dances on the tongue a yeah, little bit. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Well, fucking right, buddy. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers, man. Oh, that is good. <laughs> that is really good. Thank you. Thank you. That is super good. Yeah. Now, if I wanted to get... We're going to have another one. That's good. Cool. <laughs> mm, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. So you brewed this. Yes. Now, you're the head brewmaster for Big Ridge. I'm the head brewer, yeah. Head brewer for Big Ridge. Now, what... There's there's a lot of questions. <laughs> there's a lot of questions that I got, and I'm I'm sure there's a lot of questions out there for people that who love beer. There's a lot of people in the world that love beer, yay! <laughs> but not a lot of people out there who, that know the process mm-hmm. of how beer is actually brought to life, and especially when you have something like this where it's a a blueberry hefe. What this is? <laughs> what's the word? Belgian. German ancestry. <laughs> I went on ancestry DNA and I found this. <laughs> so what I want to know, what what I think is really interesting is that you're you yourself, you're brewing something. You're taking all the raw components and you're mixing them together, and and you're and you're like a scientist in a lab trying to figure out the perfect ratio of this to this to this to make something to make this awesome product. And I think in that way, you would almost be considered like an artist. You're crafting, <laughs> two thumbs up. You're crafting in this way to, to make the perfect beer. You, you draw the inspiration. It, it's very, it's very similar to an artistic approach, or or like a musical approach. I want to know what was the story behind this blueberry hefeweizen. Mm-hmm. There we go. Wow, uh, that's an amazing question. He nailed it. Like it's it's art meets science. So. I had brewed early in the summer, brewed a Hefeweizen, and one of my predecessors, Ashley Brooks, she's a uh, head brewer there, and a good pal of mine, and she's over with uh, Four Winds, uh, doing oh, really over there. I like their stuff, a too. Big fan, big fan of them, and we hang out every once in a while, and she's great peeps. So she had a recipe that I really liked. I remember hanging out with a friend of mine back at Big Ridge. I used, I'm, as a segue, I used to drink at this uh, brew pub multiple times before I started brewing there. So, at Big Ridge? Absolutely. So I remember having this Hefeweizen. I went back through the recipes now that I have access to them mm-hmm. and almost plotted down to the time frame that that beer was there. So, of course, I asked her, hey, do you mind if I brew in this beer? Because I'm just kind of ethical and honorable that way. She goes, it's your recipe. You do what you want. So I kind of shifted a little bit and tweaked it to make it my own. And so I already brewed that one, and that was called Hit the Highway. So if you're ready to go on your vacation, you grab a growler of – the Hefeweizen, you hit the highway to your vacation or your barbecue or home or whatever. That yeah, was the kind yeah. of the whole premise behind that. And basically, this is the exact same Hefeweizen beer that everybody loved and enjoyed. And I just put blueberries in it. Now, why I put blueberries <laughs> in it is because that's the thing with Big Ridge is that they, they have a kind of a, a verbal agreement with the local farmer. We try to use local ingredients when and where we can. Yeah. Would, you, would that also relate to the kitchen as well? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, Chef Kevin tries to use local local ingredients, local BC ingredients, when and where he can. Awesome. Absolutely, awesome. and uh, yeah, he's he's great to work with. So with this one, um, I wanted to make sure that I was using the right amount. And my predecessor, uh, Dr. Chad Warford, who's got a PhD and I believe it's organic chemistry. I so, was going to say doctor in beer. Oh yeah, no, no, not quite a doctor in beer. Great guy. 
he, a lot of, believe it or not, again, another segue, a lot of uh, brewers have degrees, whether it's biology or organic chemistry. Ashley has one, I believe, in, I think there's biology or chemistry. There's so many people with degrees, science degrees, mm-hmm. that helps with brewing. So Chad gave me the uh, great advice to go, hey, if you're going to do a blueberry beer, my recommendation is probably double the amount. <laughs> so I'm a like, blueberry. Yeah. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and away we went. So, and in, as you can taste, it's not super sweet. Like It's if, not at all. If you're expecting like something like a Palm Bay equivalent, no. not going to happen. But you know, but you know what the thing with a Palm Bay or, cause that's the thing right now. There's a lot of, there's a lot of Palm Bay neutrals, uh, uh, uh nudes, nudes, uh, hay alls. There's a lot of those in the marketplace now and they're doing really well and I don't mind them. But the thing is after a couple you're, you get, it's almost like you're eating too much candy. Your oh. mouth goes raw. Something like this. I could crush probably two of the, well, I'd probably get drunk, too <laughs> drunk first, but I could drink a ton of this. It's super, it's super smooth. It's easy drinking. And it's the, the traditional kind of like bitterness or harshness that you would get from a beer is completely, not completely cut, but majority of it is cut away by just like that little, like just that little taste of a fruit of the blueberry but it's so subtle and it's so clean well this one is sits around 4.9 percent and on the bitterness scale it's uh around 15 it's not meant to be a really bitter beer no um i i there's beers that i like that are very hoppy in fact uh but they i don't i don't like them be beating me in the face with a wet sack of grapefruit yeah that's not that's not fun for me yeah so this one is very approachable and very it crushable. I uh, think of summer patio. Like we've been having some nice weather still. So it's insane how good the weather's been. Yeah. So this one has been doing quite well. So, so this is, this is on top at Big Ridge. Absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. How many taps you got on Big Ridge? So we have, uh, we have three cores and we just went from three seasonals to four seasonals. Okay. Uh, since I've been on board. So we have, our three cores are our one five two lager, yep. our rodeo red ale, yep. and our clover India pale ale. I've had all three. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, those are you know, favorites of mine. I'll actually mix and match a few of them together just to play, little, just to change things up. A little fifty fifty yeah. sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Just to keep things interesting. Absolutely. Yeah, my one my, my one bartender Hodges gives me a hard time. You're supposed to be a hard brewer, and you go and you mix in beers. You're not even happy with it. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes you got to go gangster. Right? Yeah, but you're happy with both. <laughs> Absolutely. Mix them together. It's all good. So the other four that we have, we have our Old Sullivan Porter, which is a kind of a classic favorite that we put on nitrogen. So it gives it that silky, smooth mm. kind of... Everybody goes and talks about Guinness, but yes. it gives that the really tight bubbles. Mm-hmm. So it's like silk. It's like drinking silk. I'm very happy with that one. Then we have Talk of Blue Streak here. We also have what's called Bewitching Belgian Red Wit. So I made a Belgian wit, which usually has sweet uh, orange peel, coriander, uh, grains of paradise. And I took away grains of paradise because that can be really pungent. Okay. And I replaced it rose hips. So I put rose hips in it to get a little more floral character. Mm-hmm. And then I made it a red wit to give it more caramel kind of toffee notes. Okay. Just to kind of take a classic style and kind of spin it in a little bit of a different direction. Because so, why not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then because it's fresh hop season. So... I wanted to make a fresh hop beer, but also one of the predecessors there, Tariq Khan. Uh, he's now one of my bosses, a uh, brewing boss. He's also a distiller at uh, Yale Town Distilling Company. Okay. Very talented. He's kind of like a local legend, as it were. He's He has a beer called the Wrath of Khan. 
his last name is Khan. <laughs> so, and that, uh, that's that's got a little happens to love Star Trek. Too. Well, actually, a little side note on this particular beer. Uh, when he made this beer, it was just called Big Ridge Belgian IPA. And one of his good pals, Nigel, who owns Alibi Room downtown, mm-hmm. is good friends with Tariq and got this beer on tap. And Nigel is saying to him, hey, you know, we got to have a fun name. And Tariq's going, I don't know. I'm not into names. That's not my thing. And Nigel goes, okay, we're going to, I'll come up with a name. Yeah. And they called it Wrath of Khan. So now it's got a little bit of a kind of a cult following, an yeah. underground cult following. And, and if you've ever, if you ever get a chance to meet Tariq, he's one of those calmest guys I've ever known. He's like totally chill. He's completely chill. So I don't, I've never seen him have any wrath, even though he's a drummer. So, which is great. So this, uh, a lot of the predecessors uh, that have been at Big Ridge, that have been brewers, have had Tariq come over and brew the beer together, brew Wrath of Khan and do their own iteration. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to do this iteration with Tariq. He's a good pal of mine. And also do a fresh hop. So I married the two together. So I did a fresh hop, Wrath of Khan, Belgian IPA that sits at like 7.9% and 71 IBU. But it doesn't drink like one. So when you say fresh hop, does that, yeah. just, that just means that those particular hops are in season? So an out of, out of fresh hop seasoned beer, where would you be getting the hops from? Well, normally what happens is that with hops being such an agricultural crop, the harvest season is usually between about mid-August to about mid-September. That's kind of the money spot. So all the hops will get harvested. So once you pick them off the bind, which is kind of, and that's what it's called, it's called a bind, unless you start processing them or pelletizing them, you'll start to lose all the good resin and acids and oils, essential oils inside within 24 hours. Oh, In fact, shoot. they'll go cheesy. They'll turn, they'll be like socks and Parmesan. Wow. Yeah. So they'll get processed right away and pelletized to preserve all that. And they've gone through a hammer mill. It's really kind of fascinating. So with fresh hop or wet hop is another term for it. Those hops will be picked off the bind and trucked out to whatever brewery and used in a batch within 24 hours, ultimately. So we got ours from Crooked Stick Hop Yard uh, in Fort Langley area, Langley area. So I think they're around 248th. Um, Lauren is a great guy. And he ended up getting two specific types of hops for us that I got approved by Tariq to use. And we've put it in the beer within two hours of being picked. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was thrown in the back of a pickup and just... Pretty much. Put in, put in, put in, uh, put in bags and trucked on over to us. And even they helped us put it into um, a process where we use what's called a hop back in order to get lots of aroma. And that's what we wanted out of it. We wanted that fresh hop aroma. And that's usually what fresh hops will get. You'll get kind of a more of a, a menthol or I don't want to say minty, but just... Um, more of, like when you pick fresh herbs, you get mm-hmm. kind, of, kind of that more vibrant flavor, yeah. and but not being poignant. Yeah, and that's uh, what this, what that particular beer, and I'm pretty proud of it. It's the second fresh hop beer I've ever done. When Treat came out, he was over the moon, so he was super, he was super happy. So, and people have been really liking it. And as long as the customers are happy with it, then I'm pretty ecstatic. Then that's all that matters. Yeah. Now, so you're, so you're brewing these beers. Now, is the brewery the actual brewery, where is that located? Is that is that in the same? That's is that connected to the liquor store, or am I incorrect in that? Uh, no, it's not quite. It's not connected to the liquor store. It's actually connected to the actual pub slash. It is connected to the actual yeah. pub. Isn't yeah. there something going on that's connected to the to the liquor store building that's in that same parking lot, or am I just totally no, out to lunch? No, not that I'm aware of. I thought there was something in there. Okay, I'm 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 totally spaced then on that. Okay, I thought I saw something in there one time. Hmm. Anyways, so you're downstairs 
or adjacent to the to the restaurant where everybody's trying these beers and you're back there trying to formulate and come up with ideas. Are you ever sitting in the restaurant and just sitting at the bar trying to think of something? You got like a notepad in front of you and you're just looking around at people trying to get inspiration or listening to what people are saying. Are you like secretly like at the bar just like, oh, what the heck? Hey, hey bartender, what, what did he order? He ordered that? Okay, let me listen in. Are you ever doing anything like that? Where, where do you come up with the ideas for all these different types of beers? What what gets the creative juices flowing? Well, I have, um, it's an excellent question. I already have a list of 108 beers that I want to make. Oh, <laughs> So I don't need to sit at the bar and do that. But it's not, I get inspired by a, a few things, By inspired by people. You know, I, I, I get, meet really, really cool people and I get in, completely inspired by that. So I have a good friend of mine. His name is Oren. He lives out in uh, Kelowna. And when he, uh, when he turned 40 on his bucket list, he went out to Scotland because he complete, he competes in the Highland games in the Okanagan Valley and he does really well. He's big, he's built like you. He's a big, got a beefy Scottish guy, right? I didn't even know we had the Highland games in the Okanagan. Yeah. So they do, he's been competing with that for a while. He's a former rugby player, lovely guy, like a good pal of mine. So when I saw the picture of him in Scotland competing in the, in the Highland Games, because you have to be from, like, have lineage to Scotland to be able mm-hmm. to compete. So he wore his family colors. And there's a picture of him, and he's a good 6'1", you know, axe handle, axe handle and a half across in the shoulders. Like, he's, <laughs> he's no lightweight. So I see this picture of him, and then I see these other two guys that are also Scottish, but at least a good three heads higher than him. Jesus. So there's, like... <laughs> Two Scottish guys, Oren, and these other two guys. And they were kind of funny. Half the guys there, according to him, were saying, Oh, that's so good you came out. That's grand. Look at you throwing the cable. That's good on you, lad. You know, and that's a pretty good accent, too. <laughs> I'd you. like to throw that in. That's pretty that's not half bad. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So uh, and the other guys just kind of didn't really talk to him. So he just didn't want to place dead last. That was his goal. Compete in the Highland Games and not place dead last. That's but a he, good goal. So he tied for last. So he walked away with that. <laughs> But I thought it was so cool that he went and did that. So I made a beer for him when I was with Tree, and we got to do pilot batches to do casks, which are kind of Mm one-offs. And I called it the underdog Scottish Ale, and dog being D-A-W-G. So I wanted to kind of do a Canadian, Canadiana version of this beer for my pal Oren, because I was so inspired by that story. Yeah. And... So when I made it, it was supposed to be around maybe eh, 4.9%, like kind of there, but not there. So I guess I got a little too aggressive in some of my calculations or what have you. So it ended up being like 6.6%. Oh. So fairly beefy. But when it, that, uh, that cast got tapped, Oren and some friends came out and we just, we loved it. And then when I went, to, uh, we actually had a couple older Scottish gentlemen come by. It's like, oh, this takes me back to Edinburgh, you know? So <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's a great compliment. Thank you. So... That's where I get kind of inspiration is not only friends, but friends doing really cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I get inspired by is uh, not only just friends doing cool stuff, but I like music. And who doesn't like music? Everybody says yeah. that. Everybody now, I like to think music. I'm somewhat eclectic. Okay. But I, I have certain genres that I'll gravitate to. So funny where I mentioned that tomorrow, I'm going to be brewing a beer for a local metal band. Yep. And I'll be brewing uh, for the band Crankshaft. And I know the drummer. So the drummer's a solid pal of mine. I'm good friends with his parents. And these guys, I've seen them live. 
And they just, they're one track called Dark Side that's, uh, you can likely get on Spotify. It's on YouTube. And I was listening today. It's on, it's on Apple Music too. It, it's, it, that one spoke to me. Like I've, I've heard a lot, um, uh, Systematic is one of my favorite tracks on one of their first EPs. Uh, but this, when I saw the, the video that they did for Dark Side, I'm like, oh man, this is tight. So I was so inspired. I go, oh, I want to make a beer on the, based on these guys. So I'm going to be making Crankshaft Dark Side Ale. And that's going to be the next beer that comes after Old Sullivan. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Now, is that is that just going to be like a special kind of like a one-off brew? Are you going to be giving it to those guys? Or is that going to be something that would be featured in the actual restaurant? Well, yeah. It's definitely going to be in, in our brew pub. Nice. Uh, we're also looking into trying to connect maybe with areas that they were play and see if we can okay. yeah, sell, yeah, yeah. sell the keg to them and try and get some exposure that way. We're still working on some of the logistics on how to make it a little more symbiotic, but I'm hoping maybe other breweries can kind of pick up a local band and kind of work. I think that's a genre and an avenue that's yet to be tapped. Yeah. And I've got other ideas I'm not going to put here because I don't necessarily <laughs> want them nicked. Um, <laughs> but I think there's a really great, I think it's an untapped market. Well, that's, I, I think the way the world is going now anyways, especially with, uh, if, if we take a look at just the brewing market, you can just tilt it. Okay, thanks, man. You just grab it, yeah. The brew, you look at brewing, you look at distilling uh, uh, spirits, you look at uh, restaurants, everything's be more farm-to-table, local, homegrown, craft, craft, craft. Everything is small shops and intimate relationships with people. And I think that's so true is that you could do something where you have – a local band or a local artist or whatever, whether it be country music or heavy metal music, everybody likes to hear their, their hometown band or whatever. And they like to say, Oh yeah, these are my guys that I, I first heard when they were playing out of this little town hall. And yeah, this is a beer. Oh sweet. Let me get that beer too. It's, I can understand that relationship and how that would be very, uh, uh kind of poignant to, to want to be a part of. I would also like to say I was at a dinner party a few weeks ago and we were playing Crankshaft's music oh, while we were eating dinner. <laughs> we were playing their whole album when we were eating dinner because I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm having this uh, uh, the head brew, the head brew guy at uh, 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 Big Ridge Brewing, blah, blah, blah. And I told the story of Crankshaft or whatever. They're like, oh, let's listen to some of the music. I'm like, it's we're going to sit down. We can eat. I, I don't care. Like. I'll I'll turn it on. We'll see see what they say. Oh, this shit's awesome! As we're eating, our, <laughs> as we're cutting up our steak and whatever the case may be, it's just in the background, just rah, just going hard. It was awesome. That's yeah, that's sweet. I uh, and it's they just got um, I think nominated for Western Canada Best Hard Rock or oh. Metal Band, and right up with with bands like Striker. Nice. And I remember listening to Striker and I'm like, wow, this is really cool. So they got some talent. They're not just they're not just one trick ponies, right? So. <laughs> That's good stuff, man. Thanks. So, some another thing that I want to ask is because we're drinking out of pint glasses, yeah, just with the Big Ridge logo on it. But as far as the shape of the glass goes, yeah, I've heard things. <laughs> you heard I'm, I'm kind I, of. Like <laughs> I've heard things. I've heard things about glasses and beers, particular types of beers and particular types of glasses in different shapes and different sizes. Yeah. And there's reasons behind all these different oddly shaped pint glasses and that the traditional kind of rectangular, a little bit wider at the top, narrower at the bottom. This is the worst type of pint glass, but is the most common type of pint glass. Yeah. 
where do the other, where do, in the world of beer mm-hmm. and pint glasses and glasses in general, where is the uh, symbiotic relationship between a particular beer and a particular pint glass? Come what from? an amazing question. Now, um, I got to lead this by saying I have 94 separate pieces of glassware just for beer at, at my home, at my home. So I'm, I'm a big glassware nerd, but the, I did have a, a good close friend of mine who pointed out to me an article that this guy wrote that basically he proved by science that all the varying glassware is, is, is kind of BS. So I read it and I'm kind of, what? So I had a kind of hard time literally swallowing it. So I'm just going to go back to my bias and pretend I didn't read that and play, plead ignorance for a bit. I personally have um, tried different beers in varying glassware and get slightly different nuances out of each one. So to answer your one question about the, this particular glass, what they call the American pint glass, is actually was never meant for consuming beer out of. The reason being is that it was used when you do uh, shaker, when you make martinis. Cocktails. Or you do this, yeah, cocktails and all that. And it was the most common glass because it was easy to buy. Now, there's no... And sustain- also probably easy to make. I mean, there's yeah. nothing There's nothing really to it. A little thicker on the bottom and then just gets wider at the top. Not, nothing too insane. So the it, technically, the, there's no such thing as an American pint either. Mm-hmm. It, it completely violates the international weights and measures. That's like saying it's an 800-meter kilometer. Like, this, this, <laughs> it doesn't exist, right? <laughs> doesn't exist. So... Back to your other question about why all the varying glassware, what kind of of the shape kind of denotes the type of beer? Yes, there is. There's dirt, certain styles of glassware that are recommended to be used with certain types of beer. Yeah. So, for example, usually with like pilsners or lagers, and these are this is kind of a blanket statement. You usually want something slimmer, and so that all that carbonation will travel up to the top, and you get lots of good aroma, and you don't get necessarily a lot of um, contact as it were you want it you want it slim so you can get that beautiful froth thinner and taller yeah with uh something like a barley wine or scottish ale usually like a tulip glass so where it's bulbous at the bottom and then it curves out and comes slenders in and then comes out again it really concentrates those beautiful aromatics Mm -hmm. you'll see that with wine glasses certain Mm -hmm. wine glasses or even scotch glasses you'll have that anything where you get some cat where it comes inward and you can capture some nose or some aromatics. We get so much of our taste from smelling. Yes. So with that, anything where you have that is a win with Belgian glass, Belgian uh, glassware. A lot of them are goblets that they want with the big singles and doubles and triples like Chimay or something like that, where you get the big foamy froth and it's thick and it's voluminous and it's just great. Mm -hmm. Um, so generally speaking, there's other kind of, there's the wheat, the wheat beer glasses, which I have a few and one of my favorites where you can, it comes wider at the bottom, kind of slenders in, then comes wide again, but you get that big thick froth or now this Oktoberfest time, you get the big, what they call the steins and technically a stein has a lid. Yes. So the big glass ones are actually called a maskrug. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, <laughs> on, uh, on the last episode, my buddy Weddy was, he came back from Colorado and I guess Colorado was having Oktoberfest in September, but whatever. Um, and he brought me back and he's like, yeah, it's a Stein. I'm like, I don't, I'm pretty sure a Stein has a lid. No, no, no. It's a Stein. I'm pretty sure <laughs> a Stein has a lid, yeah. but you got it for me as a gift. So I got, I got that upstairs, but now I, I got two of them. He got one for me from Colorado and he got one from Germany. That's so he, awesome. So the, the basis, the story is he's going and having way more fun 
beer wise than I am because he's the one getting the getting the cool glassware and bringing it back for me. But I got two of those big fucking bastards. <laughs> I was just in Denver for the uh, Great American Beer Fest. Oh, so, there you go. Oh, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The so with the uh, to kind of finish up with the glassware, there are certain beers that have very specific glassware. There's one like um, called a Kolsch, or that's out of Cologne in Germany. And you're not allowed to call it a Kolsch outside of Germany. It's kind of like champagne. You're not allowed to call it champagne unless it's made in France kind mm-hmm. of thing. It's an appellation. But it's, they're cylindrical. And they're about 200 milliliters high. And they, that's not very big at all. No, no. So you're crushing these things, and they come by with your coaster, and they'll nick the coaster every time the waiter, the server will come by every time they fill you. Mm-hmm. And they'll fill you up like ninjas. They'll like drop out. All of a sudden, boom, they fill it up, and they nick the coaster but apparently when they want you're supposed to stop you put the coaster on top and then they'll go okay you can pay up your bill otherwise they'll keep filling it no please stop no more right (laughs) i've had a couple uh so if it's if it's not kolsch kolsch is german Mm -hmm. so if it's not in germany what am i supposed to call it well i you can call it a kolsch style that's kind of if i were to make a kolsch i wouldn't call it a kolsch i'd call it a kolsch style but that's my own personal for sure respect to the appellation yeah i've had some kolsch style beers before Love them. I love mm. Kolsch beers as well. Kolsch style beers. Those are incredible. I've really like. I've really enjoyed those. Uh, I've. I think I've had like one or two different ones, and delicious. Very nice. One thing that you mentioned before that I want to talk about. Sure. Is nitro in beer? <laughs> yeah. Because I love Guinness. Yeah. And I've been to Ireland. I've been to St James. I've been to the pub. I went all the way up into the tower. I didn't get to have a pint in the tower because I was there on a school trip. It was mm. very unfortunate. But I have, like, I love Guinness. It's it's great. And I've also had some of the other uh, beer that, does Guinness have another company other than Guinness that's above them that would make, like, Well, there's another company that owns Guinness. Yeah. But they make Kilkenny. Yeah. Is it Kilkenny? Caffrey's. Is it, hold on. I have a big argument with a lot of people. Is it called Kilkenny or Kilkenny? Tomato, tomato? Fair enough. <laughs> so, like, I love Kilkenny and 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 Guinness or whatever, and nitro beers. I really enjoy them. Now, what would be the main uh, driving factor from nitroing one beer over another? Well, with in my experience, from both mainly from a consumption standpoint, usually you want something with a fair amount of body. Uh, with malt forward. You know, usually stouts or amber ales or cream ales or something like that. But I worked for a brewery and I put an IPA on nitro. And it was like drinking magic. <laughs> it was. It was like, oh my gosh, it's so good. Drinking straight magic. It was. It was like drinking magic. And I read, it was an article that I got in my, I get kind of a feed that comes in every couple of weeks. And I read some articles and it was out of San Diego. And they were putting a bunch of India pale ales on, on nitrogen. And what nitrogen does, it just gives a, a, a silkier mouthfeel. Because when you put carbonation into a beer, you're putting essentially a little bit of carbonic acid. So when you think of flat Coke, mm-hmm. you know, you go to a big party, you got Coke left over, and you drink that, and you go, oh, it's so syrupy. Yeah. That's because of the complete lack of carbonation. That carbonation not only makes it bubbly, but that little bit of acidity balances out that sweetness. So when you take a beer and you put it on nitrogen, what you're doing is you're not necessarily putting it um, with full CO2. Usually it's you're um, putting with CO2, you're putting with nitrogen. So what? it's smaller bubbles. Yeah. So that smaller bubbles will give you a different aromatic component, at least in my experience. So when I put it on with our porter, it's you want to do a proper two-stage pour. And the, I'm very proud to say that our bartending crew do, do their best to 
make sure they're doing a two-stage pour. They're really, really hard working to make sure they're on top of that. Then we just got to communicate to our customers and going, all my friends got their beer. Where's my bloody pour? Yeah. And like, trust me, it'll, it's worth it. Takes a couple minutes. Yeah, it's worth it. I mean, if all the Irish people can wait in Ireland during St. Paddy's Day for their Guinness, I, yeah. I'm pretty sure we can wait for, for the pour. Right? What, so. what I saw when I was in Ireland is that they were just they knew how many people were drinking Guinness. They knew when people were, were going to be coming back and they were preemptively pouring them and had them on the bar all resting. Oh, yeah. So it was just a, just a sea of glassware of Guinness glasses, just constantly just dripping up and dripping down, dripping up and dripping down. It's beautiful. So to answer your question, Caden, is like what styles kind of denote doing that? Yeah. I, I think it'd be an interesting experiment to take a different style and throw it on nitro and see what happens. If a brewery would, would do that, or aside from myself, I would go and totally try it. Yeah. Why not? Give her. Who cares? Yeah. Now, could you ever, you, you know, you said that drinking flat pop, everybody's had flat pop before. I don't think I've ever had a flat beer. I don't think I've wow, ever. Wow, you dodged a bullet. I <laughs> well don't. <done. laughs> I, I'm trying to think, and I don't think I've had a beer without carbonation in it. Okay. Because when I'm drinking, I'm, I'm drinking it right away, and... Yeah, I guess a beer would have to sit for quite a while to get flat. Well, with, for example, the growler that, it, that yeah. I brought today, as soon as you crack it open, you want to drink it within 24 hours. Yeah. So that's kind of standard. Uh, if you leave a growler unopened and it's sealed very well, yeah, it'll, it'll keep for five to seven days. And I speak from personal experience on that. So um, how long does it take for a beer to get flat? Uh, take a take a beer and put it outside. Twenty minutes, you can have that happen. Depending on how wide that glassware is, right, mm. and all that carbonation. Also, if you agitate the beer a lot, yeah, I guess that would cause it. It'll too. make it go flat too, right? We've done a lot of agitating beer at, in this room. Right <laughs> Lots of beer spilt on this <laughs> on this goddamn table. <laughs> now, I want to ask you, and I think this is something I should have asked at the beginning. Is now. I, how does one find themselves becoming a master of, of the brewing arts? <laughs> did you did you go to did you go to school? Did you get or did you just pick it up? Were you an at home brew kind of guy, like making his own little this little that, and then it just morphed and morphed and morphed? What's the story? Well, I'm kind of unconventional, so there's a lot of brewers out there, a lot of talented brewers. They started out home brewing for years, and then they kind of migrated up, and that's kind. Of, I want to say the conventional, but that's the most common track that I've read and seen. On a, for me personally, I was just a beer nerd. And I sit down with my buddies and, I, and we'd try different beers and I'd geek out about them and try and figure out which ones that they'd like and what I'd like. But how does one kind of get into, I guess, what to answer your question, how do, how do I become a, a brewer? Yeah. I went to school. Yeah. So, yeah, I did. I went to Olds College. And I was part of the first uh, brewmasters and brewery operations program. Okay. And most people ask me, well, why did you go all the way to Olds, Alberta when there's one at Quatlin? Yeah. And well, Quatlin wasn't around yet. Yeah. And yeah, because their program's relatively new. Yeah. It was a few, I think it's on its third year. Yeah. Uh, lots of talent. I've got lots of friends there. In fact, the, when that very first class that ever graduated from there, uh, when they were first years, I was a second year in Olds and they came out because their brew lab wasn't built yet. So the faculty brought them out and 
there is some whispers of like, oh, two brew classes. Uh oh, there's gonna be some rivalry. No, we just all drank. It was just great. And it's, it's tough to have a rivalry when it's based off just like having fun drinking beer. <laughs> absolutely. Trying out new stuff. Well, and they came out to check out some great malteries, which is one of the reasons why I went out to Alberta, because they have some really great grain, you know, with wheat beers. They make amazing wheat beers. Love wheat beers. Yeah, I'm a big fan. So that's why uh, one of the reasons I went out there, I still have friends and a good support network out in Alberta. And the, also with BC blowing up in the craft beer community the way it has been in the past Huge. five, six years, mm-hmm. I would have never got any homework done whatsoever. So basically being an old is about 8,800 people, 12 churches, nine liquor stores, and 2,200 cows. So I really didn't have a lot to do, but no. just go and make sure my studies are done and maybe go drink. And that's about it. And I deliberately did that so I could keep my focus. Yeah. 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 So I did that for two years. And then I worked at Tree Brewing for a year okay. out in Kelowna. Um, coming back to the Valley was kind of on my radar, but I've always liked Tree. And I really... I. I have friends in Kelowna, so again, support network. And it was still new to me that it was I could still discover new things, but I've been there a few times, so it wasn't entirely new. Yeah. And the guys at Tree were fantastic. That's where I really cut my teeth, really understood about big production brewing. Then I got the opportunity to come back to uh, the Valley, and I worked for Fomer's Folly okay. out in yep. Pit Meadows for six months. Yep. And it just didn't fit my grain, as it were. Then I got picked up. They say with the student is ready, the master will arrive. <laughs> and the master that picked me up is a legit brewmaster. So is Tony DeWald. He's out of Trading Post Brewing. And he kind of went, picked me up. And I worked with him for about a year and a half. At Trading Post. At Trading Post. And so a, a fantastic brewery. I'm super, super big fans of that. In fact, I was there yesterday having their, their cast night. So, and when this opportunity at Big Ridge came up, uh, I was a little trepidatious on it because there was an opportunity at Trading Post I wanted to really explore. And after, you know, some deliberation and kind of going, mm, you know, I really like this. I really like Big Ridge. I've been going there for a while. You know, I love their cast nights. I love the culture. So I really want to see it be successful and continue to be successful. I'm going to toss my name in the ring. And my boss, Tony, is like, yeah, great. I'm on the other end of the phone. If you ever need me, I'll give you a, any help you need. Mm-hmm. Kind of go leave the nest. You're ready. You know, you're not going to take the pebble from my hand, but yeah. go ahead and open a dojo. You're yeah. good to go. Yeah. But he's still my sensei, as it were. And yeah, everybody's been super supportive. Everybody's been really, really great. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, if if you're improving somebody's craft beer, if you're if you're trying new and exciting things and people like it, people are just only going to be getting more excited about trying more new things and new innovations. And that's only going to end up coming back to him and to Trading Post and everybody's going to try new stuff and everybody's going to learn new things and the customer is going to get to experience cool new stuff that they've never had before. Never had a blueberry beer. I'm really enjoying it so far. I'm on my second glass, almost done. (laughs) And it's good stuff. Now, how does one get to the black belt rank of master? (laughs) Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So there's, there's no kind of written credo or ethos that says, Oh, once thou does all these checklist things, thou wilt be a master. In my personal opinion, I look at brewing as being like a trade. So if I were to consider brewing like a trade, you go to trade school and then you get out, you kind of do an apprenticeship. Yep. And then once you're out of your apprenticeship, you kind of go and you, you're a journeyman. You either kind of head your own shop or you manage your own shop. But when to be like a master in your, in your trade, they say that you have to do it for about 5,000 hours or 
yeah, something of that degree, like an excessive amount of hours. Yeah. So I figure with that calculation, for me to brew, I have to do it for another 9.3 years. <laughs> so I, I would say about, if you're 10 years in brewing, I think you can, in my personal opinion, I think you can legitimately call yourself a brewmaster. Yeah. So anyway, that's my two bits. Other just, people might say otherwise, but that's, my, that's how I look at it. At the end of the day, it just takes time and dedication to what you're doing. The more I learn about brewing, the more I don't know. It's frightening. I could understand that. It's frightening. <laughs> and it's exciting, too. I could understand that. Now, do you work uh, in tandem with, what was the chef's name again? Chef Kevin. Chef Kevin. Do you work with Chef Kevin to do some sort of like pairings, like you're coming up as he's coming up with a meal or a particular dish? He might get some input, whether using the actual beer and creating the meal or finding a good pairing that he could then talk to the staff about when they're ordering or are you guys doing any sort of like pairing events or anything like that? Is that going on? Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's some d- dishes we already have currently on our menu that he'll use beer. You know, it, we have a beer soup that I can't get enough of. It's delicious. <laughs> and it's one of my comfort foods. But we do have an event. We do a brewmaster's dinner. And we've been doing that. Uh, we did one in August. We're going to do one again in November 6th. Okay. And it's going to be chef's choice. So it's basically him pairing t- with his favorite meals that he likes to make. So we sat down and we kind of went through what he kind of likes to drink and it was kind of, it's the chef show yeah. and I'm totally cool with that. Like and him and I get along supremely well. Uh, we're going to be doing these again on a regular basis. Probably the next one we're looking in the new year closer to like Valentine's day. Yeah. And I love doing them. I love learning things about like what Julienne beats are and all these <laughs> other kind of weird to me, weird terms. Yeah. And he learns a lot about kind of weird terms with beer yeah. and it's just symbiosis. Yeah. And we just have a great time. Yeah. And we kind of bring in that great time to our customers to create a unique dining experience. Yeah. And I, 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 as long as you're doing that, I think if a brewery can pull it off, then, then fantastic. And we have the ability because we have a restaurant to be able to, yeah. to really take that to the nth degree. For sure. Yeah. So we, we have that November 6th and all you got to do is just call down and say, Book a Rezzo. Yeah, that's it. You don't have to th- buy tickets or anything like that. Don't have to wear a suit. Just got to make sure you get that phone call in quick enough. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, fi- it almost filled up last time and we hadn't done one for some years until, until August. So <laughs> chef and I are just jazzed to go through. We already have about a list of about hmm, three or four ideas that nice. we want to do for, for kind of topics. Nice. Yeah. Now, at the liquor store, you got the fifteen twelve, one fifty two lager, one fifty two lager. You got the rodeo red ale mm-hmm. and the clover IPA. Clover IPA. So those three, you can always get those. Those are the three kind of staples of Big Ridge Brewing. Mm-hmm. Are there any sort of uh, seasonal ones that you can get at the? At, obviously, you can get them at the pub, but can you get them? on cans at the liquor store is that available we'd love to um we're just canning our cores right now because we kind of get our cans um pre-labeled so there's uh, logistics around that we are we have been exploring the option of starting to do seasonals when i made the hefeweizen um hit the highway they were really excited to explore putting it into a uh, a seasonal format yeah and i was kind of kind of shrugging my shoulders not in a bad way I just go hey I'll, sure you'll just let me know and Sure. What, you guys take the lead and I'll, I'll do what you need. Yeah. It's not a problem. Um, so, but it's just a matter of trying to secure cans and what's the format and then how do we, how do we get the labeling correctly? Like it's, it's not an, it's not an easy form. Once you get into packaging and it adds an entirely new dimension to yes, getting your product does. to market. So with a lot of the public need to really understand that when you see 
any other brewery that has whether tall cans or bombers or there's labeling there's skews there's you have caps you have labor costs all those costs kind of go up yeah whereas at the brew pub i have the liberty to make sure that i'm in full control of the beer from tank to tap mm-hmm. whereas as soon as we package it and it leaves the brewery mm, who knows what someone's doing with it, it might be left in a hot warehouse and then it ends up in a shadow of its former self yeah by the time it gets to the consumer and the consumer will try it and go, Oh, this thing is terrible. Yeah. Whereas, and that, that's the gamble you take. So we like to think that the distributors are for the most part, pretty good of keeping the product holistically to true to form to what the brewer is looking for. And I do that as well. When I'm a consumer, if I have a product out of package format, whether it's can or bottle, what have you. And if I'm going, mm, something's not right. I'm going, mm, I'm going to reserve judgment until I have it on draft or at that location, or I have a second bottle, or I'll split another one with someone yeah. to kind of go, hey, are you getting what I'm getting? Is this normal? And kind of substantiate that. And as a brewer, if someone kind of goes, well, hey, your blueberry your blueberry Hefeweizen was trash, I'm like, okay, well, did you leave the growler in the back of your car over the weekend and yeah. then had it? Well, it, that you don't leave pizza in the back of your yeah. car over the weekend yeah, and then expect sure. it to be delicious. So it's it, beer is food. It is kind of a food product. Yeah. So we kind of have to treat it as that. Yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, I guess you can just go buy a growler and get it filled up whenever you want at the, at the brew pub, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. that's not a big deal anyways. No, not at all. It's fresh product. Drink fresh beer. Yeah. And you're, and you're just, and you can say, Oh, I'm only going to have one bottle. Yeah. You're, you're, just, <laughs> you're just drinking almost two liters. Yeah. <laughs> mm. yeah. God, this is good. <laughs> God, this is good. Now, Apparently, you have come preloaded with some questions. Yeah. So I've listened me. to all your podcasts. Here we go. Yeah. I've listened to all your podcasts just to kind of do my research. In episode two, back when episode two, what would that be called? I don't know. The warbling noise from the dream thing. No, I'm thinking like, <laughs> like a certain like fade you would see like in the old like 80s show. <laughs> And I can't remember who was on your who was on the second episode. That would be my buddy Weddy. He's yeah. been one, two, and six. So you guys talked about you were reading a bo- back of a bottle or inside of the bottle, and you mentioned, uh, oh, you're reading all the specs. Yeah. And you said, oh, gee, whatever that is. And I, I was waiting for someone to right make, there, the blue one, the blue one, so this guy. Okay, so Tofino, I love this beer. This is uh, Tofino Spruce Tree Ale. Uh, when you guys were mentioning about OG. Yes. And I was waiting for you guys to make the comment about Original Gangster, but it never came out. And uh, so... Uh, is just, it on there? I'm not, is I'm that not the right one? I don't think it's on this one. Uh, certainly not the Canadian Club. No. So... But there was one that... I can't remember what, where the stats were. You were talking about um, OG. And yes. OG stands for Original Gravity. Original we, Gravity? Original Gravity. So when we're... When you're making alcohol... Anytime you do that, it has everything to do with sugars. Okay. So from sugar from start point to end point. And the yeast will con- consume sugars. So there's calculations you can do. And we can basically use a, an instrument called a hydrometer to measure the amount of sugars remaining in solution. So sugars at the start point is, would be the original gravity, what we started with. And then what it ended with is called final gravity. So the difference between those two, you can run a calculation or a math, and it'll tell you what the alcohol percentage is. Okay. So usually the high, higher the original gravity, generally speaking, you're going to get a higher alcohol beer. At Otherwise, it's going to be super, super sweet. At the end of it. At the end of the, at the, end of the process. And 
I don't necessarily make beer. I just create a nice clean environment for yeast to make beer for me. Mm-hmm. So as I segue on that piece. So that's why I wanted to talk to it just to let everybody know that that's what OG is. But why is it, why is it gravity? Does it have anything to do with like dropping, a, dropping an, an apple and yeah. hitting you in the head when you're in a retreat? I'm not sure why. It's an excellent question. That they just, it's just I'm going to have to go look that up. It's just called original gravity. Yeah, it's called, yeah, it's called the, call it when you're reading, do it a gravity reading or original gravity. So you do a gravity reading at the mm-hmm. beginning, you do a gravity reading at the end and based off those, based off that, mm-hmm. you figure out what the alcohol per volume is. Yeah, that's correct. Interesting. Yeah. Because I was, I, how would you, how would you know? So it's the, the amount of sugar mm-hmm. at the beginning mm-hmm. in comparison to the amount of sugar at the end. Yeah. Strange. Yeah. That's so strange. I would have never assumed that well, sugar has anything to do with. If you think of think of um, even wine, so your friend that was on here, she was drinking. I believe that Taylor yes, and Creed, and right there, the Gordstraminer, one of my faves. Yes, which you, can't I can't pronounce it. <laughs> so, uh, I'm also uh, mind you, uh, I would love to talk with her about an Aaron Felser from Summerhill. That's one of my favorites. So, I'll let her know. Okay, so. Uh, talking about, even with wine, it's about the amount of sugars that are coming in from the grapes. And by the time it's done fermenting from yeast of how much, because when yeast consumes sugars, it basically poops out CO2 and alcohol. (laughs) So we're, we're drinking yeast poop right now. So, okay. So the sugar, (laughs) the sugar goes in, yeast goes in, yeast eats the sugar. Yep. The byproduct of that is alcohol Mm -hmm. and CO2 and CO2. Mm -hmm. Aren't they amazing creatures? I'm learning so much right <laughs> now. This is so interesting. This is why I went to beer school. And I can I can confidently say I went to beer school. It's like one of the coolest things to say. Well, it's a lot better than I went to accounting school. Wow, I know some cool accountants, so. I have one buddy who went to accounting school and he lasted a year and a half. <laughs> I had to, okay. So I have a I have a piece of paper in in my closet that says I'm a graphic designer. Yeah. I have a piece of paper that says so. I used my graphic design skills to forge his final grades so that he could, <laughs> he, he had started a company. He had started a company while he was still in school and the company took off and he's doing really well for himself and he's, he's had a bunch of success. But at the beginning, his parents were still adamant that he needed to go to school. He needed to do his grades, whatever the case may be. He was so busy because they were taking off so well. He couldn't go to school anymore. <laughs> oh, jeez. But he wanted to save face with his, <laughs> with his parents. He, they did, he didn't want them to be so disappointed on them because he, he knew he's like, I'm just going to drop out, but I can't let them know that I failed all these classes. I don't want them to get all f- mad with me. So I forged. It was, it was probably one of the best designs I've ever done. I forged his grades so perfectly using... A screenshot he sent to me, doc, and then I forged it and I sent it back to him. And there's still none the wiser. <laughs> it was done. It was magical. That was <laughs> that one, is exceptional. That was one of my proudest moments. So what, on that episode, to well, you talked about serving temperature, and one of the serving temperatures on here was I, I remember I think writing it down was like 12 to 18 degrees or something of that nature. Um, serving temperature can be important. So. Cold is not a taste. Cold actually denies the ability to taste. So when all the big... Because it would numb. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. So when everybody was like, oh, this is cold, whatever. You need to drink it cold. I'm like, okay. So I actually like drinking my stouts at cellar temperature. So between 10 to 14 degrees C. I don't want them necessarily warm, but I don't... Warm ice cold. I don't want them ice cold either. So is that... 
hold on. Is that why Coors Light says cold as the Rocky? They want it as cold as possible. They want you to wait till those mountains turn blue. That way that when you're drinking it, your your tongue goes numb so you can't taste the piss water. Oh, look, beer my favorite. <laughs> I will neither confirm or deny <laughs> that statement. Oh, that makes so much sense now. So, uh, episode three, you talked about spruce tips. Spruce it's tips. Yeah, so it's that like, guy. Why do I want pine in my beer? Yeah. Well, when there is some historical, like, kind of, I don't want to say historical documents, that takes you back to Galaxy Quest, right? Yeah. <laughs> Was, uh, I remember reading essays and things about what the use of spruce tips. And I want to make a spruce tip beer. I would love to make one. I've loved spruce tips beer, beers. They're one of my favorites. With that, what it is is spruce tips that are on the end because you couldn't get hops out here back back in the day when they were originally settling way out here. Back when. <laughs> exactly. That the only way to get kind of the bittering agent to balance the the sweet wort, and that's what hops are used for, was to use spruce tips. And so you get more of that minty, kind of piney, menthol-y note. I really like that. And if you do it right, it's it's really delicious. If you do it wrong, then it's probably like taking the black ice car air freshener and jamming in your beer. So now, so then would you, do you also like gin? Cause I, oh, I, I find gin, gin incredibly piney. I love gin. I See, love good I'm, gin. I just, I don't like gin. I'm not a piney guy. I didn't mind that. I, I liked it. It was good. The spruce, spruce trial from Tofino Brewing Company. I did enjoy that. And as you can see, we have two up there. Mm-hmm. It's because I had one and then... The other one exploded? No. <laughs> I had I had the first one there. And then the second one was from episode four. Mm. The guest that came on, he was drinking that. And it just so happened that he, he picked out the same beer. But yeah, I, I don't mind it. But I just... My two, my two best buddies, they always drink gin and I, I just can't well it depends it. what they're drinking like I mean, if they're they're drinking like beef eater or tanqueray I mean those are fine gins but I prefer them in cocktails yeah. but if I'm gonna sip on gin which I have I like the um, Roots and Wings does a great gin that I really really enjoy it's got exceptional botanicals and shameless plug to Tariq um, that <laughs> Yaletown Distilling Company is a hopped gin that a I'm hopped, a, a hopped, a hopped gin, gin. How does wait? Okay, so you're first saying you're talking about a beer that didn't have hops, so they use they use pine, and now you're talking about a piney alcohol that is using hops. Yeah, what is this mysticism <laughs> and, and backwardness you're doing here today? <laughs> so, well, maybe we'll have to we'll have to bring get a bottle and and try it among your friends because it, it's a it's exceptional product. You know, hop gin, it's delicious. I think Roots and Wings did one too. Uh, or is it a hop vodka? But now I'm a big fan of Roots and Wings. They're local. They're out of Fort Langley, and and uh, they're they're great, talented individuals. So interesting. Yeah, a hopped gin. Oh yeah, you have that with like uh, just a couple drops of water and just sip on it. It's glorious. Interesting. Yeah, man. <laughs> that is so strange. So the and then the other one was uh, we kind of covered that. Like I remember two thirds of the way through that episode, you mentioned that you and I had met. Yeah. And then you, it's like oh. You know, I met this brewmaster and then he gave me his card and I lost it. And I remember I had to replay that a couple of times. I was too busy laughing because I was like, oh, seriously, is that what happened? Oh, okay, man. Because I thought it's like, all right. You know, I remember you mentioned about the podcast. I'm like, okay, I guess I wasn't a cool kid enough, but whatever. No problem. When when I initially met you and we, we talked at uh, Fort, uh, Fort Langley Pub and you gave me your card, I hadn't started it yet. I hadn't started the podcast yet and I was still thinking about it. And it wasn't until a few months later that I did finally decided, okay, I'm going to do it. 
And I went to try and find your bloody business card <laughs> and I couldn't find it anywhere. Eventually I ended up finding it, finding it. I got in contact with you. We worked all that or whatever the case may be. But yeah, it was, it was a few things that led me to starting the podcast. One was podcasts or what I listen to when I'm working. I worked, uh, uh, like when I'm doing schoolwork in university, this is years ago. When I was still in university and doing schoolwork, I loved listening to podcasts. When I was doing internships and I was just sitting at a computer all day creating designs for a, a, a RV dealership, doing signage and whatever the case may be, I was listening to podcasts. Another internship, all I did was listen to podcasts. The job I do now, I just listen to podcasts all day. <laughs> it's, it's just a great... I find it a better way to... Uh, over listening to music, which is also awesome. When I listen to a podcast, I can learn something and there's, there's more worth to it. I can listen to the same song over and over again, or I can listen to when Joe Rogan has, uh, the, I don't know, the expert on Egyptology and I can learn some crazy shit about Egypt and I'm sitting there doing my whatever job. And I'm like, really? That's what happened to King Tut. That's insane. I had no idea it was so cool and it was, it was so interesting. I'm just thinking to myself, Joe Rogan, number one podcast in the world. At the end of the day, he's sitting at a table with a microphone and he's just talking to somebody. It is easy. I can do that. That's not a problem. And it was, it was that my love of listening to podcasts. It was, um, also a love for comic book movies. As you can see the two posters behind you, mm-hmm. So my love of like comic book movies and my good buddy, Weddy, who's been on three times, we went and saw uh, Justice League when it first came out, or sorry, Batman vs. Superman when it first came out. We watched the movie for two and a half hours. We stood outside the movie theater for three and a half hours and talked about the movie. And I'm like, this could be a podcast. This is so easy. I'm already doing it. All I got to do is sit. I can sit down and drink a beer and just, it's in a more comfortable environment instead of when it's pouring rain outside and I'm just standing outside in the cold and it was that and it was also you sitting down with you at Fort Pub having that conversation the entire it just started off as a normal conversation Mm -hmm. and then it kind of clicked to me I'm like I'm gonna try out doing a podcast right now and that's how I talked with you and I was thinking Mm -hmm. that in the entire time in my head and then that was one of the big driving factors into me actually doing. thank you so you get to be a part of the bottle podcast starting point oh thank you very much that's awesome mm. god damn oh, were those all the questions yeah that's it that's all i got <laughs> <laughs> that's all i got man we already talked about your gushing issue yes just don't shake it in a paint shaker like bart did with homer simpson and then have it explode in his fridge in that one episode i don't know i don't know what it is i <laughs> they just i don't know the last last episode was fine okay the blonde ale and the Cronenberg Blanc survived, so that's okay. So we're we're on a better start. And then this growler was still alive at the end of the day. So oh, that's... I filled it literally like the hour before. I showed up. <laughs> so if, if it exploded, McKay did. I I'd be I'd be upset. <laughs> I've I'd done something terribly wrong with that beer. Then so it's all good. Oh yeah. Now, so one thing that I wanted to talk about. It's one thing that I'm really excited about, and I'll give more information after the podcast is over. And you can also find more information on Instagram is that for the first time, I'm going to be able to do a little bit of love and appreciation uh, to my listeners 
and you're going to get to be a part of it. And also the band that we mentioned earlier, Crankshaft is going to be a part of it. So as you were mentioning before, for the people listening, you're making a beer for Crankshaft. Oh yeah. There was a little bit of a scheduling conflict or whatever the case may be between us and them. um, And you trying to get in here for the podcast because you're a very busy guy. But end of, end of the day, it all worked out fine. Crankshaft, lovely people that they are, have decided to be bestow upon me some merchandise. And you have provided me with a lovely gift card. Mm-hmm. And what we're going to be doing for the listeners and Big Ridge fans and Crankshaft fans, we're going to be hosting a little giveaway. So it's going to be a nice little gift basket. Not basket. I'm not giving you a basket. It's going to be a little gift prize. You get a gift card to... Uh, I guess it's Mark James Group Brewery Restaurant, so all of their different locations. You guys got a whole bunch, don't you? Yeah, it's uh, Mark James Group um, kind of oversees us, that being Big Ridge Brewing Company, Yelltown Distilling, Yelltown Brewing Company, as well as the Whistler Brew House. Now, can they use that also in like the liquor store? I'd have to, I'd, I'd have to double check and let me find out that. And if there's an issue, we can try and figure And if you out, can't but... use it in the liquor store, good thing... Big Ridge is right beside it. You can just go well. We do anyways. we do off sales for our cans. So oh, well, there you go. You know, get some Big Ridge beer. You know, or there, so or even better, grab a growler. Listen, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, grab a growler and get this blueberry beer. It's delicious. I've been having a lot of fun drinking this. This is very good. Thank you. So you're gonna find all the information, but basically what it's going to be is you're going to uh, find the competition image. It's going to be the same for. The Bottled Podcast Instagram, Big Ridge Brewing Mm -hmm. Instagram, and Crankshaft's Instagram. Simple. All you got to do, you got to just follow each one of our our pages. Everybody's got to like the post, and you're just going to tag a friend in it. Easy peasy. You get entered in to win the gift card and all the merch and all that kind of stuff. And like I said before, I mean, shit, I listened to Crankshaft's album (laughs) EP when I was having a dinner party. Yes, you can work out hard in the gym and get a sweat on when you're listening to the, this heavy metal BC band. It's awesome. You know what? You can also enjoy a lovely dinner with your friends and family. Put it on for your grandparents. They'll probably they'll <laughs> probably enjoy it. It's all good. But we're going to be able to get to do that. So that's a that's an exciting part for me because that's my first time that I've get to be um, get to do some sort of a giveaway. So thank you for that for being a part of that. Oh, my pleasure. Now. Are there any closing remarks? Is there anything that you want to tell people out there about this, about brewing, about pub, about beer? What 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 last remark would you like to say? Wow, that's a that's a the big thing. There's so much to be able to kind of get into. It's a matter of I guess just find your find your local and and love it. And and, and a lot of, I get a lot of questions. A couple, kind of two questions I get. One is what I get asked, what's my favorite beer? And I kind of, my first response is the one in my hand. Mm-hmm. Cause I always try to be in the moment. So, but if I was on a desert Island and I could have one style, it'd probably be the Saison, which is a farmhouse ale. Yes. Cause I personally believe it can go with every single kind of meal out there, but that's my own personal opinion. So, and I've had lots of people that go, well, you know, I don't, cause I don't like hoppy beers or I don't like X or I don't like Y. And I go, okay, that's, that's cool. Don't like hoppy beers or don't like sours. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Like what you like and romance and love the hell out of it. 
that's really all it is. Be the subject matter expert in multi beers. If you don't like sours, I'm not gonna. No one's gonna hold a gun at your head and no. make you make you have no. a sour. If you come into into Big Ridge and you know you see me there and like, well, I'm not. Point your finger two inches from my face. Well, I don't want to have your IPA. All right, dude, it's totally cool. Like, it's uh, all right, I got I, a couple other. Tabs. Yeah, man. Let me let's sit down. Let's see if we can't find something you like. Yeah. Um, and just like what you like. If you like cream ales, you like pale ales, great. If you like fruit beers, and that's what I'm trying to do with our lineup is trying to find a little bit of something for everybody. That's really all I'm trying to do. Just give it a shot. Yeah. You know, you might you might find that you might like it. I've had people that were, you know, I don't like beer. And then I end up converting them to double IPAs. Yeah. It's not my goal. I'm just trying to find what they like. And, and just just get just try something. Mm-hmm. Just give it a shot. At the end of the day, if you try it and you don't like it, then whatever. It's it's whatever. You've lost nothing. There's um there's uh, somebody who put out there is like the best thing you can do when you go to a same restaurant over and over again is try everything on the menu. Mm-hmm. If you don't like it, all you did was waste 15 bucks on a meal, 20 bucks on a meal that you didn't like, but you got to experience something new. Now you know you don't like that. Try something else. Mm-hmm. Just keep trying other things, expand your horizons. And at the end of the day, maybe you find something that you really enjoy. Absolutely. And as, as a brewer, and even, and I speak for, I can confidently speak for the vast majority of brewers out there. If you like what we make, take time and fire us a tweet or fire us something on Instagram or. Facebook, send us an individual email, like getting some positive feedback to kind of know, hey, you really like something, that motivates us. Yeah. That's one of the best feelings that we can get as a brewer to know that, hey, something we made makes someone feel better. Mm-hmm. Awesome. You know, chefs are the same way. Yeah. You liked what I made for you? Great. That's why I'm doing it. Brewers are very, very similar to chefs. So yeah. it's really just, uh, we'll continue to put good out if you continue to put good back to us. And it's just reciprocal. Just keep embracing the craft. Now, one thing I forgot to ask you that I want to touch on is, what is your thought process on beer cocktails? And I see these becoming more and more popular where yeah. you ha- you're mixing like ciders with beers or beers with spirits or like beer floats. What what's your whole thought on that? And have you tried any of those? Do you have anything planned for Big Ridge? Can you can you can you tell the secrets of of the mystical book of 108 recipes? <laughs> well, honestly, like we we already have beer cocktails at at Big Ridge for one, so it, we've had them for a while. I've, we have one called the Hop Collins. I, I really like it. The Hop Collins. Oh yeah, I really like it. And actually, so much that once a month, the last Friday of every month, I'm deliberately making a cask that is based on one of our beer cocktails just to kind of give more focus to it. And, and all people go, well, this doesn't taste like the cocktail. Well, it's my iteration in cast form. Yeah. So it's kind of an homage. So that's why I'm trying to be different. So obviously I'm okay with beer cocktails. I look at beer cocktails, as long as you're using quality ingredients to make your cocktail and you're doing it properly. Great. If you're going to use substandard ingredients to make a substandard cocktail, why waste your time? Yeah. That's kind of, the holistic view of, of me about craft brewing anyway. So I don't, I don't consider a blasphemy. I, I don't, even if I have, I have some customers that come in and I'll order lager and they'll tomato juice the hell out of it. Yes. I've you seen know, that and then too. It, part of me is kind of like, Oh man, that's a bummer. You should just try it by itself. But honestly, if, if they're happy and they're all laughing and they're drinking the liquid and they're having a good time and they're coming back, mm, I'm, I'm okay with it. Yeah. Like I can't, I can't be so, um, I don't want to say beer snobby or what have you, but at the end of the day, they're happy. 
who am I to take someone else's kind of happy? Now, I'd prefer them to have it in its most purest form, for sure. But, you know, when you have a steak, do you want to put ketchup on it? Not really. But if someone's super ecstatic about putting some good old-fashioned... President's Choice ketchup on his on their steak. I know you're shaking your head and going, I'm, "Oh I my never, god!" I've never, I've heard of it. I've never seen it before. <laughs> and like me myself, like I just, it's the same thing, man. It's the same thing. Like if you're using, here's the thing: if you buy like the shittiest cut of steak, I don't care what you do to it because it's the shittiest cut. It's not gonna. It's probably not gonna taste good. You're gonna have to marinate it. You're gonna have to really work on it. But if you get a prime choice of like a, a prime, like triple grade Wagyu, quad, Wagyu <laughs> even like, like, even like a triple A rated ribeye from Alberta and you, you do more than just like salt and pepper, like butter and garlic, maybe a couple herbs on there. Like you don't need barbecue sauce. <laughs> totally. you, you really don't. You want to put it on there? You sure to have a piece without it. That's what beef tastes like. And um, I think it's the other the other thing is I all the people that are more macro drinkers that think it's like oh, I don't want any of those fancy beers I'm happy with my insert macro brand here mm-hmm. that's fine but um, be adventurous when macro you mean like Budweiser sure Coors. what you said yeah <laughs> so uh, the big names yeah. right and if someone's happy drinking the big names super great but uh, I I don't want someone to think that. If they're gonna go into say, you know, keg steakhouse, and you, there goes someone's going in there and ordering a mix something or other, that's not the venue. Yeah. So when someone comes into a craft, a craft brewery, and you got anything that tastes like insert macro brand here, mm-hmm. it's kind of a disservice. So, but just try something. That's it. That's all we're asking for. Just be a little adventurous. Yeah. Yeah, man. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I make beer at the end of the day. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. You know, I'm not doing world peace, man. Those are... You know what, though? As far <laughs> as jobs go, being able to say that you make beer and you try your beer... You're like a beer scientist. To say that you're a beer scientist, that's a pretty good job title to have. I'm, I, I have a sweet gig. I'm not going to lie. I begin to tell people that, you know, I make beer for a living or I'm a brewer. I still look at my business card and go, holy crow, I, I, I'm doing this thing. Holy crow, this is so rad. And I get really excited about it. And I'm, I'm probably too passionate about craft beer for my own good, but I'm, I'm not going to stop. I don't know if that's such a bad thing, man. It's good to see people that have like such deep embedded true passions in life. It's something that could, is easy to lose as you get like kind of caught up in life, so to say. It's easy to lose those passions. And it's really refreshing to see somebody like you who is so dedicated and so enthralled with the thing that they most enjoy beer making beer craft all that kind of stuff that's awesome seeing that in people nowadays is it's somewhat refreshing to see and it's something that gets lost a lot of the times because it's such life now is so hustle and bustle moving at top speed can't slow down gotta work gotta work gotta work gotta work gotta pay this gotta do this and lots of people lose that passion lots of people lose that drive to try something that they really enjoy or keep going with something that they really enjoy and it's unfortunate but it it just is what it is but to see somebody with as much passion that you have in beer it's incredibly refreshing it's awesome to see so i would say it's not a hindrance i would say (laughs) that it's i would say that it's i'd say that it's a good thing and that i hope you don't lose it because of the the amount of passion that you do have for it is 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 uh brightening and it's it's 
it's just good. It's just a good thing Thanks. to have. Yeah. It's, uh, and there's some exciting things coming with Big Ridge. Uh, I already got um, – the count is up to eight breweries now in British Columbia that want to collab. Nice. With myself. Yeah. It keeps growing. Uh, every month there's another brewery that's like, hey, we got to do a collab. And I'm like, really? Okay. And I'm, I'm just uh, – it sounds terrible. I don't want to say rinky-dink beer, brew pub, right? But, you know, we, we we're kind of a small operation as far as canning. We're not distributing very far. Yeah. Um, but they're colleagues in the industry. They're, you know, I was – we was at a brewery last night that they want to eventually work together and doing something. And if the upper echelon, the business kind of stakeholders and movers and shakers and decision makers can make that happen. I mean, brewers just want to hang out. Yeah. Like brewers want to hang out and, and make beer together and For see sure. if we can't share ideas and find ways to improve. And I'm just, I'm just tickled. And, uh, cause you may not have known this, but Big Ridge has been around for 19 years. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, so we have people. I was at a Battle of Beers event pouring, and I had a, a very cheeky lady say to me, It's like, Well, are you guys in Maple Ridge? I go, No, that's Ridge Brewing, not us. Well, maybe next time when you guys open a brewery, you should not choose a name that's a little more common to everybody else. And I go, Well, I'm pretty sure they thought of that 19 years ago. You know, so, and then you kind of, Oh, well, I go, I'm sorry, but you know, you're, you're barking up the wrong tree. Yeah. Right, really. Um, so we, I have some exciting things happening for the 20th anniversary, and I can't really get too much into that, but Dude. I am bringing something from the past, and I'm taking a brand new spin on it, and I've been working on it since I got on. I got on board at Big Ridge in, in end of April, beginning of May, and I've been working on it since almost the day one since I got there Jeez. to make it happen, to so I can legitimately say... It has some barrel age type. Oh, that's all I'm gonna let forth. Oh. Yeah. See, because I've had. So don't so don't tell everybody what it is. Just tell me <laughs> on on the podcast as we're recording. Don't worry. Just tell me right now. <laughs> no, <Nah>, man. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be good. Um, I'm really excited by it. I've, I've fired it up the the chain, and as far as the my bosses, and they're like, wow, this is this is great. We're glad you're so enthused by it. And there's a lot of legacy. I mean, I just um, tomorrow the Crankshaft Brew is going to be brew 1,109. Damn. Yeah, <laughs> which is, I've I I have a long list of people that have gone ahead of me as brewers yeah. that I get to draw on, and it's fantastic. And I get to kind of be part of that. How much kind of leniency does uh, head office give you when you want to come in and try something new? Are you running it by them, or are you trying it out and then doing a tasting and then trying it out, or what? What's the process as far as? Because you said you got a whole bunch of different ideas. Mm -hmm. What's What's the kind of process to get something greenlit? Well, I, I have full autonomy. Nice. Yeah. So I, but I also I have some factors I have to keep in mind. Mm -hmm. So because I'm in a more I don't want to say blue collar in a terrible term, but for lack of a better term. So I'm in more of a suburbanite area, you yeah. know, 152nd, number 10. So it's kind of in between South Surrey, White Rock area. Again, very suburbanite. So I can't get too in adventurous. I mean, there's been people that have brewed before me that have made sours that may not have, you know, that they were successful, but it's not a style that people are going to gravitate to. Yeah. And also I'm not necessarily going to do a, barrel aged double dry hopped hazy lactose fruit bomb IPA <laughs> right and that's this is not a pot shot at other breweries that make those kind of styles yeah. I think that's great 
It's just not for my clientele. Yeah, you got to play to your crowd. There's a demographic I have to keep in mind. I have my regulars that pay my bills and help me not live in my car. Yeah. So I also don't want to do make or do beers that are super high in alcohol. Like I can't do a Russian Imperial Stout at eight and a half percent because people will get into fights. So, and then it's just, uh, we want, we're, we serve a 20 ounce pint, like a legitimate. Real pint. Yeah. So having a 20 ounce pint of good old fashioned Russian Imperial Stout or barley wine, you're not going to be able to operate anything more complex than your socks. Yeah. And, and that at best, you probably have one sock at that point. One on and it won't be on the door. Puppet. It'll be on your ear or something yes. weird. So I have to be very mindful of that with my clientele. So I have to make things approachable and balanced. So yeah, there's certain styles. Like I would love to make a hundred IBU IPA just cause I can, but I'm probably going to be one of the few people that would be drinking it. And everybody else is going to be like, what the hell is wrong with you? So that's I, the one that's going to end up in the cask. Mm-hmm. But I did make beer flavored beer, Imperial session ale. And I was hoping to maybe bring this, but it didn't, it didn't, uh, I don't want to say it didn't last. It got emptied. So I'll be bringing, I'll be brewing that one again in the spring. And I brewed that in kind of reaction to the big barrel aged hazy IPA thing that I think it's a a great style. It's just not my jam. And nor is it, it's, I wouldn't say not my jam. I enjoy drinking them, but I don't think my clientele may enjoy drinking. Yeah. So I have to be mindful. So I just made them beer flavored beer and it flew. Plus beer flavored beer is just fun to say. Beer flavored beer. And that's all it was is a, it's essentially a pale ale. It was 5% right to the numbers. And I always think that a testament of a brewer is you want to see how, how good a brewer is. Go try their lager or pilsner. Or in your case, you like Kolsch style. So yep. try a Kolsch style. Or, and, their, and or their pale ale or amber ale. Because there's nothing really to hide behind. No. So I really wanted to test myself and go, hey, man, have I really got some brewing chops? I really want to make a, my own pale ale and see if it's going to work. And it did really well. Is it going to... Do I expect it to win a whole bunch of great big awards? Not really. You know, per se, it'd be nice if it did, but I'm not going to hold it to that. If yeah. you think of your favorite movie, do you like the movie because it won a bunch of Oscars or do you like it because you like it? You like it because you like it. Or like Fight Club, <laughs> right? So anyway, that beer-flavored beer is my Fight Club. Except you can talk about beer-flavored beer. I, <laughs> I, I in fact, encourage you to. I Please encourage you to. Spread the word. Yeah. Spread the word. Tell everybody. <laughs> yeah. So that one was just super approachable, and I have one of my regulars. He kind of wipes a tear away, mockingly every time I walk by. So when are you going to make that beer-flavored beer again? It'll come back. It'll come back. Uh, So I'm really proud of that one. So if I can keep making more things of that nature that are approachable to my clientele, balance out to keeping balanced flavors, as well as just stuff that I want to drink, too. Yeah. I mean, I like everything, though. So I'll, I'll... I'll, I taste a lot of sours. I don't necessarily go out and buy tons of sours to take home. Yeah. Or I don't, you'll never see me with a six-pack of sours, as it were. I don't know if I could drink a six-pack of sours. I like a sour beer, but I could maybe have one, two tops. I can't drink much more than that. It's just too It's just too much. Yeah, a lot of acidity. So yeah. I, um, I, I still I love a good sour. So it's just a matter of I want to be able to have that kind of balance to my clientele to keep them coming, but I also still want to keep a little bit edgy and a little bit, not necessarily experimental, but something different than when people come in, there's something unique. So are you telling me that there's a pumpkin spice beer right now? No. <laughs> no. I, well, pumpkin beers are hard because no one will drink them after November 1st. Very true. As soon as Halloween's done, November 1st happens. It's all about bring me the Christmas beer. Yeah. Nobody wants to drink pumpkin anything. No. 
And also, I've, uh, making a pumpkin beard and trying is hard. It is not a fun time. <laughs> so, and it's more than just chucking a bunch of spice in there and hoping for the best. So, there's some pumpkin beers I really like. Uh, I just there's such a small window yeah. to make that happen. Uh, it's just not within my brew schedule to do it. Well, not only that, but just like you said, just uh, financially, like it's just a poor decision. Well, it's I, just tough. It's tough, especially when, especially, I mean, damn, we're like halfway through, we're like halfway through October already. It's yeah. October 12th. Yeah. My goodness. But yeah, like it's just, it's, it, it gets tough when you have to deal with, at the end of the day, it has to sell. It has to make money. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing I keep, uh, keep in mind too, is profitability. Yeah. So one thing we've been looking at is, is to, for me to nudge down my batch sizes a little bit so I can get a more, a better rotation so I can get more new beers more often. Mm-hmm. And people like that. Like, that's why we went from three seasonals to four. four. Yeah. So I want to continue doing that in a manageable format. So if I get to turn beer a little faster and keep it fresh, I'm okay with that too. That's something I can get behind. But I also have to make sure that I'm doing it kind of in a logical fashion that I'm not just cutting myself in the knees and then I'm chasing my tail. So yeah. I want to be able to sure it fits the schedule properly, especially and also with all the breweries that want to collab with me. Yeah. Uh, or let me rephrase that, that I, that I get to potentially collab with. with. That sounded kind of arrogant when I said that. Uh, I'm just really proud. I'm really happy. These are friends of mine that, and colleagues of mine in the industry that's like, yeah, yeah, let's totally do something. So I'm really excited. So that's going to be happening 2019 as well, if not sooner. There's a good friend of mine that... Uh, that owns and runs a brewery in the Valley and he's he, every two weeks he goes collab. When? So yeah, it'll get there. We doing this. We doing this. Yeah. Let's make it yeah. happen. Let's make oh, it yeah. happen. And it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be so great. And I, I, to me, I want to be able to, it's a sharing of ideas and come up with yeah. something together. That's going to be equitable for both parties. Yeah. And that'll be great. Now for a collab like that, would it be, would you be more interested in doing a collaboration with, with a brewery that has, of a larger distribution network because that allows Big Ridge to get a little bit more exposure. You would also be able to sell it, obviously, at the pub itself, but maybe being able to team up with, I don't know, let's say Tofino Brewing Company because they have a little bit more exposure. They're selling this in Bombers, so you get it into more liquor stores. Would that be a little more advantageous to go on that route? That's an excellent question. I think from a business perspective, I'm pretty sure that, you know, you could, I don't want to say cherry pick, but you could definitely knock on the big doors of the big names, you know, such as like Central City or Driftwood or yeah. anything like that. But to me, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I mean, Central City did an amazing collab pack called Across the Nation. And they, every every single province in Canada, they did a collab with. Really? I have buddies of mine from school that work at Rebellion. So shout out to Rebellion Brewing, uh, to Dave and Zoll. They did a collab with uh, Central City. I'm like, oh, that's so amazing. And the beer was great. I'm like, oh, this is because who knows when I'm going to be out in Saskatchewan, right? (laughs) So getting to drink their kind of product that they came to get, I thought that was really cool. Now, to me, for me as a, we mentioned about art and, you know, the artistic end of it. Mm -hmm. It's more so, I, I think it's, would be more successful for me to be able to get behind doing a collaboration with a brewery that I have a, personal connection to yeah not saying i wouldn't have a personal connection to with one of the bigger breweries but you know it can, in comparison to what the size of a brewery that i'm at compared to like a red racer what would be the 
it, from a business perspective, what's the cost benefit? Yeah. And this is not me throwing Red Racer under the bus, by the no. way. If Red, if Red Racer Central City, Gary Lowen, great guy, I've met him, he's fantastic, decides, yep, you know what? Why don't you come on over? We'll do a wee collab, right? I'm like, yay! Of course, I'm mean, like tickled pink seven ways from Sunday, right? <laughs> but I mean, I was just a trading post yesterday and I asked uh, my old boss, Tony DeWald, and I, he used to brew at Big Ridge. So he's got a bunch of recipes and I go, how would you like if we took one of your old uh, recipes and brewed it together and you can give me some pro tips. He goes, yeah, okay. Like he's totally cool with it. Yeah. So it's just a matter of just making it happen. And I, for me, uh, for, as, for me, Jason is the, is the brewer, I would rather have a personal connection and then I can get that art behind it and then I can really, it, you'll see it in the product. And it makes, yeah, it makes it more exciting. It makes it more fun. Mm-hmm. And yet at the end of the day, you're going to get something that's made what I guess love would be the proper word made with a little bit more love and for the product, for the customer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, that all filters down and that there's that passion that, that comes into play. Right. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's just more fun. And they have a personal connection with that particular brewery and get some cross promotion going and it's just beneficial for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew that we would learn so much about beer tonight? I, I learn, I'm learning a ton about beer. I'm learning that none of your, you mentioned OG and I'm wondering where you got this OG thing from. I'm not you know what? Your bottles. I know what happened. <laughs> I know what happened. So the first two episodes I recorded, we recorded episode one and then like a month later we recorded episode two. After recording episode two, I didn't think to collect the bottles. Ah, there you go. So you recycled it. So I got, I got rid of it. I can't remember what it was. So maybe I got to buy another one <laughs> just to drink it so I can put it before the bottle of wine. Maybe I got to do that. No worries. <laughs> All right, buddy. Uh, do you have, you were already telling us some exciting things are happening. Do you yeah. have anything else you'd like, you'd like to promote or give a shout out to before we call it quits tonight? Yeah, no problem. Just a reminder that again, our brewmaster dinner, November 6th, that's on a Tuesday. So just call down you do, to make a rezzo and it's chef's choice. So really exciting. It'd be some of uh, uh, chef's favorites. We are going to be planning a cask event in uh, December. It's going to be a charity event. So we're going to have hopefully three casks and all the proceeds from the casks are going to go to uh, local Surrey food bank. So oh, stay, stay tuned for that. So we'll put some stuff on social media, uh, about that one. So, uh, we're going to be in attendance to the, uh, BC beer awards. That's, uh, October 20th. So if you have tickets for that and all the tickets are sold out. So if you're already attending, come see us, come say hello, hello and hi, and I'll be there and come wave at me that'd be fantastic i've got an anniversary beer 20th anniversary beer that's coming out next year so stay tuned to that and lots of exciting things collaborations we have a weekly cast night on friday we'll tap a new cask uh, at 4 p.m and the last friday of every month is based on one of our beer cocktails so if beer cocktails are your thing then come on down i'm usually there uh, i'll <laughs> come find me i'm a you know, ask for the long-haired brewer. You can't miss me, and and you want to you want to geek out about beer. You want to talk about beer cocktails or just in general. And uh, yeah, I'm glad to or talk with you. Just sit and have a beer. Yeah, sit and have a beer. I'd be down with it. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, if if even if you're there and I'm not there, say on the weekends, and you want to fire me an email, grab my business card from the front, fire me an email, ask me questions, you know, and we can connect up. I'm I'm pretty approachable, and I love to hang and shoot the breeze about craft beer. Right on. And a big shout out to uh, Crankshaft for for uh, 
being part of the giveaway and all that kind of stuff. That's really awesome. It'd be cool if I could get those guys on the podcast. I think I would need a couple more microphones. <laughs> maybe a couple more chairs. A couple more chairs, a <laughs> couple more microphones, maybe a bigger table. But all in all, good stuff. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Oh, I really appreciate me. it. No worries. Alrighty. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. That's the end of it. You got a little bit of a history lesson or an education on uh, craft brewing and, and uh, the state of it and lots of lots of fun stuff. Jason's a pretty cool guy. Um, the giveaway that we're going to be doing, you get a $30 gift card to the Mark James Group Brewery and Restaurants. Um, you also get to uh, you get to win a t-shirt from the band Crankshaft and their new EP. Um, and you can find all the details of that on the Bottled Podcast Instagram page. Um, that's where all the information is going to be and all the contest details. But basically, just to summarize, is that you got to like. Uh, <clears throat> you need to like the post. You need to be following the Bottled Podcast page, Big Ridge Brewing page, and Crankshaft's page. You got to be following all those guys, like all the posts. The post is going to be exactly the same. Um, and you just got to tag one friend uh, down below on the post or whatever, and you're entered to win. Pretty simple. But uh, that's it. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. And like I said before, you can always find us on Instagram or Facebook. If you want to get in contact with me, that's the best way to do so. If you want to be on the podcast or if you got questions or whatever the case may be. But yeah, thanks everybody. And until... The next time we crack a cold one together, cheers.